Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Muscle Science for Women. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that Appreciate was... you. <laughs> Listen, she two really seconds ago. It. Listen, we really mean it. Why Even did that, that sound? That might not have sounded like we really mean it. We do really Listen, mean it. If you guys were watching on YouTube and you saw my face, you would know that I was being yeah. sincere. Just, I kind of always sound a little bit either cynical or sarcastic. That's who I am. Not changing it for 2023, guys. Yeah, don't I really am it. happy you're here, it. though. Okay. Yeah, and you Actually. should su subscribe to our channels on YouTube and just watch us on YouTube. I mean, and you know, listen on your podcast too, and maybe you know, give us a review on your podcast platform. That would just be super cool. All of that would be great. That would be so amazing, so cool, and it's so much more entertaining to look at us because usually we're being silly in one way or another, yeah. or maybe and there's I a look, dog. Yeah. There's you, a dog. You look or great. Like you, your I, hair is like today, on yeah. point hair today. Is done, it's just... But I look a little like pale because my light, I'm like trying to find the, the right light. So every episode is different. I might look like an Oompa Loompa one day. I might look like a green monster one day. Who knows? You got to tune We're in here to find for out. It. Yep. You got to tune in to find out. That's it. Um, okay. Let's dive right into it. We got a couple yeah. good questions. Um, and I just want to get started because we like to go on tangents. We could be here for a while. Okay. Let's start with a classic. Um, I will try to like, when we get questions, if we already covered it in a previous podcast, just like a link that podcast in the show notes, because we do tend to get like repeated ones. And this is one of those, but I don't know if we ever actually answered it like really specifically. So we'll just do it again. But mm -hmm. somebody asked, what's the deal with how much protein you can actually metabolize per meal. A lot of people have heard this thing about how you can only, you know, use 30 grams of protein per meal or at a time. And if you eat more than that, it's just going to be wasted or it's going to turn into fat or something. Mm -hmm. um, what is the deal? How much protein can we eat at once? How much can we handle? And, you know, how should that be maybe helping us make um, food planning decisions, right? Yeah, for sure. Go Do you want it. me to, I mean, I can try to answer this as simple as possible. Do that. That'd be good. Okay. So first thing I'll say is that we have a very complex answer and go through all of it and all the details in our program in one of our nutrition lectures, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, so sign up for the program if you want the, <laughs> mm -hmm. the full breakdown, but basically, um, the answer is you don't waste protein. The amount of protein you consume, you're still using it for all the different processes in your body that protein uses, which is a lot. Um, where people get this confused is that there actually is a cap on the amount of protein that when you consume it, it goes to the muscle building processes, right? So muscle protein synthesis, um, this is something called the muscle full effect. So the amount of muscle, sorry, the amount of protein you consume to a degree, once you go beyond that, it doesn't really have any benefit from a muscle building perspective. However, it's not like you consume protein above 30 grams and, and 30 grams, I would say it's different for everybody. It depends on kind of your size. So could be 30 grams for someone. It could be 40 grams for someone. could even be 50 grams for someone. If they have a ton of muscle, right? The more muscle you have, the more kind of sink you have to, to soak the protein up, the carbs up, all that jazz. Um, so it's not like an exact, oh, 30 grams and that's it. Um, so that's one thing to realize, but yes, once you get to that certain kind of threshold for yourself, um, the amount of protein you consume 
does not have any extra, the extra protein you consume does not have an extra benefit towards the muscle protein synthesis effects of building muscle, right? With that being said, that protein still has a use in your body and it goes and does its thing in other areas that are still beneficial. Um, so it's not like you eat over a certain amount of protein and you just like poop it out. Maybe, yeah, you poop mm-hmm. out some of it, but there's still so many processes in our body that use protein, um, that it's not just like a quote unquote waste. Mm-hmm. So that's the simplest way that I can put it, I guess. If that makes sense. So for folks who, cause I always tell people like, again, sort of the simplified version of this is like, maybe don't worry so much about overeating protein. Cause it's not usually a problem for most people. Like you'd have to work yeah. pretty hard. Like if you're going to be if you're going to be cutting anywhere or like managing anywhere, fat and carbs, you should probably be going in that direction over protein. However, if we're talking about women who are maybe smaller, looking to do a cut, focused on body composition, and so calories do matter and they don't want to be overeating really anything if they can avoid it, how does someone go about figuring out what their kind of max per meal really mm-hmm. should be? So I would say the easiest way is if you are someone who's not like overweight by like 30 or even 40 plus pounds, like that's, I kind of use that threshold, like 40 plus pounds overweight, I would determine your protein based off of your goal body weight. So like a gram per pound of your goal body weight. But if you are 40 pounds and under, then I would base your protein off of a gram per pound of your body weight. Um, and even a little bit higher, um, if you want, because we have so much research out that shows that, you know, protein doesn't hurt your kidneys. High protein doesn't hurt your kidneys unless you have a pre-existing kidney issue or disease, then that's another thing to talk to your doctor about. But for most of us, you know, even for me, when I go into like just general, I probably consume like 1.2 grams per pound of body weight in my, in protein. Um, and then sometimes I've even gone up to like 1.5. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just because I enjoy eating protein, keeps me full, all that stuff. Um, so that's how I would kind of determine it. And then really the easiest way to think about breaking that up throughout the day is like, okay, now you have your daily protein goal, which is the most important thing. Let's break that up into even servings, three to five meals throughout the day, depending however, you know, many meals that you like to consume, whether that's three main meals or, you know, three main meals and two snacks or whatever, right? If you're someone who only eats two main meals, maybe you're eating two main meals and one snack. Um, it's just simple as that, find your daily protein goal and then divide it up evenly throughout the day. Um, and ideally, ideally you'll be eating 25 grams plus at each of those main meals that's coming from protein that is, um, complete protein source, right? So that Mm -hmm. most, you know, all animal proteins are complete. If you are vegetarian or vegan consuming, um, combining incomplete proteins like rice and beans, um, things like that to make a complete protein or supplementing with some type of protein powder. Those would be the ways that I would go about that. Um, and you don't have to get that much more complex than Mm -hmm. that. In my opinion, what do you think? No, I think, I think that's perfect. I think that's literally the exact right explanation for the vast majority of people. If you want to dive deeper, we do have a program that gets more into detail and helps you figure things out every macro, every, everything. Um, and that's muscle science for women. Obviously you can sign up now and hang out with us and we'll be your virtual, uh, coaches. 
But yeah, I mean, for the vast majority of people, I think that's an excellent like sort of foundation and starting point. And mm -hmm. again, the sort of overarching message that like, don't worry about it. Like, this is the thing, like we, we have a hard enough time getting women to eat a baseline amount of enough protein. And we get these messages all the time. Like, well, what if I eat too much or is there too much or is it going to like injure me or like make me fat or whatever? And it's like, this is one area maybe don't worry so much about, like, you're yeah. probably not going to overeat protein. And even if you do a little bit, it's fine. If you're going to yeah. overeat anything, maybe make it protein, probably Absolutely. not going to not going to hurt you. So yeah. and there's, I like that. And I'll just finish with this because there is research that overeating protein has shown to actually not increase body fat compared to other macros. Obviously this, you know, there's a cap on that. You can't mm -hmm. just eat like tons and tons and tons of proteins, like over your, your maintenance calories. Um, but if, like you said, if you're going to overeat, if you're going to overconsume something, it should be protein because there's, it's just, it's the most forgivable macronutrient, mm -hmm. I guess you could yes. say. Yeah. Um, and then also if you want to sign up for the program, muscle science for women.com is our ready. Now we're you ready. Know. We're waiting for you. Join. It's the new year. <laughs> Get on it. All right. You won't regret it. Okay. Um, this is another big question that I've got asked for like in a couple different ways. And I think it's again, an evergreen one that we may have touched on before, but we'll talk about it again. Um, how the best way or how to come back to your fitness, to training, to building muscle after injury or illness. And again, this is a very wide, broad question. So we have to give you kind of a wide, broad answer. Um, but my first yeah. thought you when start. I was reading, yeah, because this came from a couple different people, including a friend of mine who I know. So I was like, hmm, I'm, I think I know what your deal is. And <laughs> like my first thought is when you say how, what's the best way to come back and build muscle and come back into fitness after injury or, or illness. And the first word that comes to me is slowly slowly. Don't rush. Don't be panicked. Don't come back to it from a place of I'm losing all my gains and I'm lazy now and I'm out of shape and everything's terrible. We all have illnesses and injuries. And one of the best ways to keep that injury or illness going is to rush back into a program that you're not ready for. Um, and again, I, I like, yeah, we've, we've all been there. You've been there. We've been there. We've talked about it many times. Just please do it in a, in a thoughtful, progressive way. Maybe even go back into it, whatever your program you decide, like if it's just, I, I don't know what the injury is or what the illness is, but if you want to go back to weightlifting, if you want to go back to a running program or whatever it is that you're doing, start slower, even than you think you're ready for. Like, if you're like, look, my injury's pretty much gone. I got the okay from my doctor to start again. Let's go back to whatever I was doing when the injury happened. Nope. Take it back. Take it back a couple mm -hmm. notches because not, you know, it's, it's an ego check, right? Like you're, you're trying to get back to being healthy and pushing too hard is not the way to do it. So that's a very, again, vague overarching thing, but I would just urge patience and perspective that if what you really want to do is get back to moving your body and being fit and going to the gym, you got to do it in a really measured, safe, careful, slow, and steady way. And we've talked about this with whether it's body composition goals or building muscle, it doesn't happen quickly. 
no matter how hard you work. So the best way to do it is a way that's sustainable and healthy and isn't going to burn you out or put you at risk for getting sick and injured again. Right. Um, so that's that, but one, one of the specific sort of sub questions to this was how do you build muscle when you have an injury that prevents you from lifting weight? So again, my Mm -hmm. response to this would be, first of all, it depends a lot because if you injured your left bicep, there's probably still some lots of weightlifting you can do right. Um, safely, depending on what the, the injury is, there are probably still weight bearing strength activities you can do. And that is why having a coach or an expert help you and help advise on a safe way to do that is really important. Um, but the other part is if you are currently actively dealing with an injury, is your goal building muscle right now? Probably shouldn't be right. Mm -hmm. Um, you can still move your body. You can still try to maintain what you have or minimize damage or minimize muscle loss. And a lot of that could probably come from recovery and rest and eating properly. Um, but if you, uh, broke your leg or if you have a tendon injury in your shoulder, maybe your first priority shouldn't be like, how can I get back into the gym and like crush (laughs) building muscle? Right. Um, so those are kind of, again, overarching answers that I think, I think are important, like frameworks for how you move Mm -hmm. forward. Um, anyway, hundred percent. Yeah. And I'll, and I agree with all that. And I'll just say too, and like most people know this or maybe not, but when you get injured, um, and you come back from being off for a while, maybe it's not even an injury, just a while off from the gym, from following like a structured program, you will basically get that muscle back much quicker than it took to actually put it on in the first place, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might feel like you go in after an injury and you're like, oh my God, my strength is completely gone. Like all my muscles are gone. Not the case. Like they come back much quicker. Um, strength, it takes like, it'll take a little while, but it won't be like you're starting from scratch. So that's something to understand too. Like you're definitely not starting from scratch. Even if you take in like six months to a year off, like you still have muscle, um, and it will come back much quicker than it took to put it on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one, that's one positive. And then kind of picking it back off, piggybacking off the second thing you said, focusing on the things that you can do and not the things that you can't do when you first come back is super, super important. Um, mm-hmm. that is something like I was just dealing with my lower back flaring up a few months ago. It's been great now, um, past month, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but during that time, it was really frustrating because with the lower back, it's like it, there's a lot of things that it hinders me from doing. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to like dwell on that. I'm going to focus on, okay, what can I do? Right. What are the things I can do? Um, making sure I'm choosing the exercises that don't cause me pain that are, you know, conducive to, um, you know, what I'm looking to get out of it, things like that. So focusing on what you can do, not what you can't do. Um, and then also, like you said, to depends on the injury, right? So what type is it, you know, maybe your arm, like, did you, like you said, I don't know, did you tear your bicep or something or sure, whatever you tore your bicep, right. And your right arm. So you can still do a lot of things and you can absolutely still train your left arm. Obviously you need to be very smart about the movements you're choosing and not overdoing it and all that stuff. But there is, um, definitely research that shows that training one limb actually has a neurological effect and can elicit gains in the untrained limb, Mm. arm or leg. So if you 
tore your bicep and you're out for six months, whatever it is, you can still, once you get cleared, once you gradually come back, like you said, slow and, you know, smart, you can train the other arm, the other bicep and actually maintain some gains or even get some gains in your right bicep from the neurological effect that occurs, which is crazy. That but is like sci-fi magic. That's nuts. It's crazy. I forgot what there's a term and I've mentioned the term. Yeah. The I past. remember we've talked I about forgot what it's called. It's, I think we did. Yeah. It's wild. Forgot it, but it's wild. Yeah. But I mean, it's not, it sounds crazy, but it's not such a far stretch when you think about like, first of all, our bodies are amazing and they're so resilient and they're so adaptive. So that makes sense to an extent. But also when you think about like, you know, like you said, months off from not doing anything, how quickly our bodies can remember it and get back into that groove. Like your body wants to be active and strong and, and maintain the muscle and the body composition mm -hmm. that you worked for. So it makes sense that like, it's doing everything it can to kind of stay there yeah. as long as you're supporting it in an intelligent way. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't take so that much to maintain muscle once you've built that muscle. And that's why, that's why like, I just like punch myself I don't punch myself, but I'm just mad at myself for like not spending time building muscle and like at maintenance or in a slight surplus for like the more majority of years where I was like trying to diet and trying to, you know, build muscle at the same time for so long. And I'm just spinning my wheels. And like now all the things I know, I'm like, I look back and I'm just like, oh, I wasted so much freaking time. If you spend time getting a little uncomfortable periodizing your training, your nutrition for the long-term and you like have a roadmap that you're following, right? And you know where you wanna be, there's gonna be times where you need to spend in uncomfortable positions, i.e. for most women, spending time in a surplus, building muzzle, muscle, muzzle, building muscle is not comfortable, right? Seeing the scale go up is not comfortable. But if you can get over that and look at the long-term gratification versus the short-term satisfaction, you will absolutely see tremendous progress in the long term because you spent time fueling appropriately, recovering appropriately, building muscle so that in a year from now, you can unveil that muscle, go into fat loss phase if, you, if you'd like, and your body composition looks completely different. But you have to spend the time actually eating enough food to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Because then once you've done that, you can do it again if you want, but you can also realize that it doesn't take as much to maintain that too, right? Um, so that's just, I went off on a rant there, but. Love it, <laughs> love it. That's what the podcast yeah. is for. That's literally why we're here. Um, but I hope that is helpful for, yeah. uh, cause we do get this question a lot and I understand the frustration too. Cause like I said, we've all been there. Um, I talked probably too much on this podcast about my frustration with like how I had to change my training when I was pregnant and postpartum and having a gym that was closed for two years. That sucked. Mm -hmm. Like prior to that whole multi-year experience of my life, I was a gym rat who was in the gym five to six days a week for 15 years or something like it was pretty regular. And then to have that completely shut out and just try to like grapple with what can I do or what should I do or how do I maintain, you know, I had to learn a lot and be frustrated and, and readjust and, you know, it worked out and I learned, I learned things that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. So it's all good in the end, but, um, yeah. 
yeah, it's, I understand the frustration, I guess is what I'm saying. I hear you guys and like being injured sucks, being sick sucks, not being able to work out and do the things that make you happy sucks. Um, and the only thing that would suck more is prolonging that by rushing or doing something that isn't, um, thoughtful. Right. So, yeah. and it's that saying, like, take one step backwards to take three steps forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. it that way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long-term, so long-term, like you have to just sort of like work against that culture of immediate gratification, like do the thing that feels really good now that could really screw you over later and mm-hmm. just, yeah, practice a little delayed gratification. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, sure. somebody <clears throat> asked about what we think about cold therapy, cold water therapy, oh. cold plunge therapy. Obviously that person has not been on my Instagram lately. Yeah. What are you I doing? did a cold plunge. Hello. Um, Hello. Hello. it's funny the because signs for what, I mean, what the muscle maven on yeah. Instagram and freaking watch her plo- blah, blah, blah. I can't talk. Cold plunge. plunge real. Although it's it funny badass. because you and I were texting about it and you were like, why would you do that? That sounds <laughs> terrible. And I'm like, agreed. Um, but it's funny. Cause I've, I've talked about this. Like I am not personally somebody who does cold showers because a hot shower is like my true happy place. And I just, Same. I just real, really love a scalding hot shower. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not willing to end it in freezing cold water. I live in a cold place. I'm not about that life. However, I actually like the more difficult prolonged, like ice bath dip or like cold plunge. Um, and I like it more for the mental resilience that it builds probably than whatever health benefits there are. Although I will say every time I do it, I feel like a million bucks afterwards. Like it feels like you just got a massage and drank something refreshing and had a great Mm -hmm. night's sleep. Like it literally all of that rolled into one after you do a cold plunge. So again, there's gotta be some benefits. I think there are other podcasts and experts who talk about this much more in depth than we could. Like, I know, I think Peter Atia talks about it a lot. I think Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about it a lot. I think probably Andrew Huberman has talked about it on his Mm -hmm. podcast. Like all of these super smart people have done their studies. Um, I personally like a cold plunge, um, every now and then. And it's fun to like do with other people too. Like I had my girlfriend, um, do it with me. We just walked into a lake, uh, a couple days after Christmas, it was, you know, 30 degrees, around 30 degrees, um, outside and probably are about that in the water. And, um, but it's funny too, because with these challenging things, and like we talked about in a recent podcast about like doing things that make us uncomfortable, it's like almost always the like anticipation that is worse than actually doing it. Cause this cold plunge was my idea. And I told my girlfriend, we're going to do it. And then for like the next week, I was like, maybe we shouldn't, it sucks. Maybe we shouldn't do it. She's like, no, 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 we're doing it. And then I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to suck so much. And then I walked in. And even as I was walking in to that freezing cold water, I was like, this is kind of cool. This is kind of nice. And then you get in there and you force yourself to really like, I don't know, maybe again, I'm crazy. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Um, But I really like the practice of like trying to work against your body's natural reaction to like gasp and freak out and Mm -hmm. run away. To be fair, that video, we were only in the water for like 15 seconds. And I, I could have done, like, I wanted to do like 30 seconds or a minute, but my girlfriend was like, nope. And I, I kind of followed her out, but like, I, you know, would do it again. Anytime you want to do it, Rachel with me, I'm happy to happy to do it, but it's, you do, when you get your chest, when you get your heart under the cold Mm -hmm. water, your body, it reacts. And so forcing yourself to like slow your breathing and just 
feel what's happening and tell your brain you're not dying until it believes it and your body reacts accordingly. It's a cool process. It's just interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess long story short, I'm into it. I mean, I don't think it's something like you have to do. Um, I think if it's something that appeals to you and is interesting to you, um, and doing it relatively regularly could be, could be something that can potentially help with immunity can potentially help with mental resilience. I know one of my girlfriends, um, Amanda, she does just like a face one. So like, Mm. she'll just get like a big bowl of ice water and just like slam her face into it for a while, hold her breath. And that's just like, it's like, has like skin tightening properties. You come out and it's just like, you drank like five cups of coffee. You just feel so energized. Maybe that's something you try. Cause it's, I would mm-hmm. think that would probably be easier than dumping your whole body into a cold bath. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's my thoughts. What do you think mm-hmm. about cold Yeah, plunge? no, <clears throat> I think it can definitely have benefits for everything that you mentioned. Um, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer here on the other side of things and say to really understand though, where, where you're at and realize, like you said, every now and then, um, especially for women who are already overstimulated are already stressed out, are maybe in a calorie deficit are fasting or doing all these things where they're really putting themselves in a sympathetic state, right. And a sympath, their nervous system is in overdrive doing a cold plunge is probably not the best idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, especially like once in a while. Yes. And obviously this, I'm speaking to the person who's already, like I said, your stress is already overloaded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be careful with that because yeah. that could cause more harm by putting yourself in more of a sympathetic state, more in overdrive, your nervous system in more overdrive than it could be a benefit. Um, and so that's just something that I would say, think about that. Cause it's just like anything else, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Um, and you have to understand like your own circumstances and where yes. you're at. So that's, that's a very good point very good point. And it's a hormetic stressor, right? So it's one mm-hmm. of these things that it, the whole point is that you do it in small measured doses to increase your resilience. If you are currently super stressed out, your immunity is shot, you're sleeping badly, you're drinking coffee to get through the day, you're working super long hours, whatever you have a stressful life. Don't add more stress. We should all kind of, I think, collectively be looking for more little mini things throughout the day that are the opposite of doing a cold bath that are like, can you sit quietly in a room and listen to relaxing music? Can you, Mm -hmm. or a hot bath that is like, or yeah, a warm bath and read a book or something Mm -hmm. like that's something it's funny because I've been trying to work on this with a couple of my clients where it's like, if we focus on some of this, like stress management, lowering your cortisol, finding times of calm and stillness in your life, it's like, we almost have to approach it like it's a job or part of a training plan or mm-hmm. else they don't want to do it. Like, if I'm just like, Hey, just, you know, just relax and treat yourself. They're like, no, no. I'm like, okay, yeah. here's your plan. Five days a week, go sit over there yeah. and be quiet. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you have to like make it like this thing you have no, to do. Yeah. A hundred percent. I do but that like, with my clients too. We literally have a checklist and they have to check the box on the days that they're like, okay, self-care, take a bath and put a candle on, yes. light a candle, check yes. the box that you did that. Like Yeah. I love it. And that's actually something like sort of a mini, um, new year's goal of mine that I'm trying to, um, like just sort of add little mini moments or, or experiences of like chill vibes through the day. And like, it sounds really vague, but like, it's like exactly what you said. Like when you're having dinner, light a candle, turn on some like mood lighting. Like when I'm sitting around working, like put on some of those like soothing spa Mm -hmm. binaural beats and like 
again, can't, I don't know, candles are big. It's, it's a good mood setter, but like little things like that, that take two seconds that can add to cumulatively over your day or week. You're like, things just feel a little nicer. You know, like mm-hmm. these are things I have to do every day. I got to make dinner. I got to eat it. I got to sit here and work. I have to do my laundry, like do, you know, and I'm even trying to like listen to like a little bit less true crime podcasts and listen to like (laughs) music instead, you know, like it doesn't always have to be like bad, stressful, intense, like just chill vibes guys. Okay. So I don't, I follow this. Um, I don't know what it's called. Something like my therapist or whatever, like, I don't know something on Instagram and they post like these really funny memes um about just like self-care stuff and whatever and there was a meme that was literally I, I looked at it like earlier today and it was like someone who has anxiety and drinks um or someone who complains about having anxiety and drinks a full nitro cold bu- cold brew and then puts on a true crime podcast and I was like like are you talking to me <laughs> yeah. yeah well not the anxiety part but I was like that's funny and I mean this reminded me of Ashley but again, you're, you're exactly on point because people who are like type A, go get it, like goal-oriented, go, go, go people, we keep attracting that kind of behavior and we, there's no balance. Like there's nothing wrong with being a like hardworking type A high energy person. Like I have grappled honestly with like being an intense person and people giving me shit about it. And I've come to a point in my life where I'm like, I'm never going to be like super laid back, chill surfer girl. That's not who I am, but there's nothing wrong with trying to find balance. Like just sometimes be still and like, don't look at screens and just sit and maybe let yourself be bored on the couch for 10 minutes and put on a candle. Like it's just, you know, it could be really good for you. Um, Eat some ice cream eat some ice cream. Oh, good point. Because you know, I just made my first ice cream of the year, um, with one of our sponsors, active stacks, obviously, cause you gotta, Obviously. you gotta, you gotta add the active stacks, but I also added, um, the eggnog protein powder. That's a different company in Canada that I just, they make like, you know, mm-hmm. it looks novelty really flavors. Do you, are you eggnog person? Cause people are either really into it or really not. I into just it. like have not, not really had it yeah just because like I it yeah I don't know it's like I don't know I don't usually like try to drink my calories so like I've always never like had yeah like yeah. if I'm gonna have a alcoholic drink it like that plus the eggnogs like damn that's a lot like I rather oh, have I can't a cookie do and like eggnog. something else the idea oh, of okay. like creamy eggnog with like <laughs> booze in it is like a problem for me but the flavor of eggnog I mean I think is... I would enjoy that but my yeah, stomach probably much. It's a bit much. Yeah. yeah. But, um, we got to get this Ninja creamy on, on like as a sponsor, like every single time. And I know you do too. Yeah. Every single time I post that I made ice cream, everyone is like, how, what, what's a Ninja creamy? What did you do? Where do you get it? Like people are obsessed. Like we need to reach out yeah. to the Ninja people. Um, so I was going to tell you this, anyway. but the blog post that I wrote on how to make the protein ice cream with the Ninja creamy, yes. it's like blown up like on Google. It's like on first page. Send that shit to like the, like literally like that's the corporate office. Yes. That's the plan. Atta but girl. it takes a little bit of time. It was written in September. Yeah. And so yeah. it takes a few months for it to like start to build and you have to like optimize it and I'll do the blog stuff. Um, but amazing. It's all there. 
Well, so in the meantime, sex, yeah. yes, active sex. So my, my, um, ingredients, by the way, for anybody who cares, cause this is how this Ninja Creamy works is you don't have to add like stabilizers and super mm-hmm. high calorie ingredients, but I do usually use like, um, really good quality, like whole milk instead mm-hmm. of like a milk alternative. Cause I'm just not about milk alternatives personally. Yeah. I just would rather drink milk and I can handle dairy. I mean, coconut milk sometimes, but it's so it makes everything very coconut flavored anyway, yeah. whole milk active stacks, vanilla, which they use all like natural ingredients, like actual vanilla paste. It's not vanilla flavoring, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then this, this eggnog protein, and then some like pumpkin spice, um, and crushed. It tasted exactly like eggnog. It was amazing. And, and the you consistency, can, can, I oh, saw but this is what was I was going to tell you. This is what I'm going to tell you. Cause this was a secret that I was like, I have to tell you what I've been doing with the Ninja creamy. Cause okay. I follow your, your instructions. Cause obviously you're the queen of this. Cause you've been doing it for a while. You use the light, the light ice cream button, Mm -hmm. presumably just because you're making light ice cream, right? Like you're not using like eggs and heavy cream and whatever people put in their ice cream. I just use regular ice cream. I'm like, I'm just see what, what happens here. I don't know. Um, and I found I need to experiment more, but the two times I did it, I found that it actually had a fluffier consistency and less, um, like less going back in and redoing it. Okay. So I don't know if like the, the real ice cream button is just like more heavy duty or something. I don't know. I think it's the, so the light ice cream one is because it's, I think it has to do with the base that you're using too. So if you're using whole milk, the, the fattier, the base is like the, the, it, the more ice cream it will be. So that makes sense that you're using whole milk, use the, the real ice cream, um, thing, whatever it is, button. Yeah. It was amazing. But, anyway, all but, that to say, um, active stacks is a great ingredient to use yeah. in your ice cream making and, or your baking, or if you just want to add some high, uh, glycine, it's glycine, right? That's the mm-hmm. good amino acid. Yeah. High glycine sort of protein powder, um, to your shakes or, you know, post-workout or whatever. It's not a complete protein similar it, to it is a complete protein, but it just active doesn't have as much. Oh. Yeah. It just doesn't have as much of like leucine that like a okay. whey protein would have. Okay. So the amino acid profile is, is just not as um, robust from like the quantity that okay. like a whey protein, because it's beef isolate protein. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's just not as high in, in, in leucine, but. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. So, I mean, people, you know, again, we wouldn't say like, use this as your main source of protein period, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a great addition, especially for people, like people are always asking us how to get more protein. I'm like, hi, make ice cream and put active yes. stacks in it. Like Please. perfect. Um, yeah. so yeah, check them out activestacks.com And the code that we have for you is MSW10. And then if you want to add even more nutrition to your ice cream, I haven't done this yet. <laughs> and I, I think you actually should is add some optimal carnivore organ meat supplements to your ice cream. Have you tried? Cause I know you, I, have, I know you sprinkle it on your food sometimes. I do. And I, I sprinkle on Lilo's food too. Um, but I haven't tried it in the ice cream. You wouldn't taste it. That's the thing. Like, unless you're yeah, putting like true. four or five pills and if yeah, you use like true. a, maybe a stronger flavor. Cause another question I was going to ask you is, have you ever considered trying to make kabocha squash flavored ice cream? I haven't but that is amazing. And I might have to do it. Thank you. Right. Like you can make, yeah, like, it's like pumpkin. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting, just like any kind of like squash flavored dessert is going to be good. And look, you buy 50 squashes a day. Like you might as well turn one into ice cream. Right. Should, oh my God. 
I've I know like, you're crazy. Delicata person. squash is going out of season. I've been on a delicata kick and kabocha has taken a back seat the last mm. four months because of delicata. RIP. I am kabocha. like going to all it's gonna come back, but I've been going to all the grocery stores and like stocking up. You should see the people's faces looking at me. Like, what is this crazy lady doing? I would do that too. Thing full of because they la- once you have them, it's like it lasts months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it stays for months if it's in like a, a dark place, but they're going out of season in the grocery store. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to every single store and like literally have a closet full of, cause it doesn't fit in my kitchen anymore. There's literally a bag of delicata squash in my closet right now. Speaking of true crime, anybody who's listening, who watches or listens to true crime, it's like, you always joke about like anybody who seems too nice, like go into their freezer and they probably have like a person in there. Like imagine somebody for the first time goes into your house and sees like a closet full of squash. And they're just like, who is this psycho? Like, what the hell are they doing with the squash? That's weird, dude. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) But listen, Hey, thanks for like, Listen, maybe, maybe you're crazy, but it's a good kind of crazy. It's a, you know, listen, make that ice cream, please. And I'm not going to be sorry about it. Yeah. Don't be sorry about it. It's yep. It's what makes you great. So make (laughs) some, make some squash ice cream, please report back. I would actually really be interested in that. And that's what I'm saying. Like you can add to the optimal carnivore. It's just pills, right? Desiccated Mm -hmm. organ meats, which you can of course just swallow like a pill and it makes it very easy. We use it kind of like a that's what I do. You know, multivitamin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, for me, when I'm trying to like feed my kid more healthy food and he's not going to swallow a pill because he's a year and a half. So I will sprinkle some of that on top of his food. Doesn't taste it. Adding some nutrients. You can do that with your desserts. I'm a huge fan of like adding, you know, whether it's collagen or whatever, like organ meat powder to your stuff. If you can make it, if you can add stuff like that and it doesn't change the flavor, like why wouldn't you, right? You're going to eat the stuff yeah. anyway. You might as well make it healthier. Um, so optimal carnivore, their code, we put this all in the show notes. Cause I know you guys aren't like writing this down. Um, their code is muscle sci. So M U S C L E S C I. And they want to direct you to their Amazon page. Cause that's the best way to order their stuff. If you have any questions about any of these products, like you can always reach out to us because we can either answer it for you, or we can get in touch with, um, with our folks and get answers about any of the products. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that. And uh, I think that that does it for today. I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess I'll see you. When this comes out, we might either be in New York together or almost there. So few weeks. That's pretty exciting. That's going to be a fun episode is when we get back, we can do like a a download from our recap. Lost in New York. (laughs) So excited. We talk about all the food we ate. Oh yeah. And workouts we did. I think we should try to find like, um, in addition to just going to like a gym and doing like our workouts, I think we should try to find like a weird gym that has like some trend, trendy, fatty workout and go do it. Like, I think that would be fun. Like I, I used to always do that when I lived in New York, I'd be like, Oh, some new weird gym opened up. Like, let's go try it. Cause it's like, there's no more ridiculous workouts and like gym concepts than in New York. Right. So there's gotta be some weird ones that we can check out. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. All right, guys, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.